This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Hello everyone and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Tuesday, December 26th, 2023. On today's episode of the show, I'm going to be joined by director William Oldroyd and stars Thomas and McKenzie and Anne Hathaway to have a spoiler-filled conversation about their new movie, Eileen. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com and I hope everyone has had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, This week, I'm going to be trying to present some interviews to you all on the podcast just so we don't go dark over this holiday break period. And I wanted to start by talking about Eileen, which is one of my favorite movies of the year. And man, I really, really love this film. So again, I'm right up top. I'm telling you, this is a spoiler filled episode. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, please go watch it and then come back and listen. Um, Final warning. Okay. So back in 2016, William Oldroyd directed Lady Macbeth, which is a movie that I talked about on a recent episode of Slash Film Daily. That film helped launch the career of Florence Pugh. And now he's back with Eileen, which came out earlier this month. This movie is uh, based on a novel by Otessa Moshfeg and features a script that is written by Otessa and her husband, Luke Goebel. And man, it's just a, a really, really terrific movie. It feels like it's going to be a sort of a low-key drama, like a, a simmering romance. And then at the third act, um, it really takes a turn and... Uh, and gets into it. The, the entire DNA of the movie really changes in a fascinating way. So um, we'll be talking more about that moment in our 50 best moments of the year podcast that'll be coming up sometime in the next few weeks. So in the meantime, I'll go ahead and toss it over to William Oldroyd. I want to apologize real quick for a few audio hiccups that happened during this conversation, but I don't think they make the 
the chat unlistenable or anything like that. So here is my conversation with William Oldroyd. Congratulations on the movie. It is one of my favorite films of the year. So I just want oh, to jump great. in and, and talk about the end of the movie with you. Um, I've never read this book. So I was floored when the reveal happens in the kitchen. And that is easily like one of my favorite movie, movie moments of the year so far. The entire tone of the film really shifts at that point. So I imagine it must have been pretty important to you to get that right. So I was curious if you could tell me about yeah. how you approached that scene. Well, what I wanted to try and achieve was um, what I had felt when I read the book, which was I, I read it more or less in one sitting. And um, when I got to that point, the point you mentioned, the sort of the, the turning point, the twist, uh, I was so shocked by it. I thought, well, if we could achieve that on screen, it would be great. But how do we do that? Uh, and we and ultimately the answer was we just trusted what Otessa had written, which was Rebecca has to say where they are and what's going on. Uh, when typically you would want to show that you would want to re the reveal would be revealed to Eileen because we're in her point of view by Rebecca visually, and yet actually I think we, what we discovered what, what what we discussed Otessa Luke and I when we were writing the script what I discussed with Ari Wagner the cinematographer and so on and, and also then with Annie and Thomasin was. If Rebecca was to say that, we'd have a, a greater shock for Eileen because Eileen is there thinking it's a date. So when she when it, when she realizes why she's actually there, what we need to see is we need to see her register the shock of that information and also see her heartbreak. And she's not there for a Christmas date for drinking and dancing and whatever else. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we needed to, you know, so and then from that point on, you know, Tessa would say the same. Like, from that point on, it just hurtled towards the end in a way that it completely um, provides Eileen with the sort of stimulus that she needs in order to get out of her life in Exville. And yeah, move on. for sure. Um, I I was wondering if you could tell me about working with Ari Wagner. You mentioned her there, and I know that you two have, have uh, collaborated before. What kind of conversations did you have with her early on about what you wanted this movie to look like and feel like? Ari's great because um, before you have any conversations, any sort of aesthetic conversation, um, she wants to get right under the skin of the character. She really wants to dig deep into the script itself and understand its structure, how we came to write it. And she, you know, we went straight back to the book. So there was there was quite a few weeks where we spent time uh, just talking about the book and the script. And then once we understand the psychology of the character, that helps us to understand how to motivate camera, how to move camera. Uh, and then, you know, we, you know, it's not a superficial decision in terms of aspect ratio, whether we're going to use zoom lenses from the 60s, whether we're going to use digital or film. It comes out of a conversation of, well, we're in Eileen's point of view and what, what do we want to, to try and achieve? And like with Lady Macbeth, we have a, a singular perspective. We want to really get into the mind of Eileen um, we want to reference some of the films from that period, from 1963, without falling into the trap of pastiche. Mm -hmm. um, and that led us to the look that we found. You know, she was very interested in trying to light each scene with the lights that were available at the time. So these, these sodium street lamps, for example, were a big... Um, a big element of, of, of the look. I mean, a lot of the, the interior scenes are lit from outside at the house, for example, from the street light that came through. It's a very sort of sickly yellow, strange light. And then 
obviously working with Olga Mill, the costume designer, to make sure that the palette then also works with the lights that they've chosen and also the Craig, the, the blade throw, the set designer. But but essentially all worked in tandem because we also had the contrast of this sort of blue-grey New England coastal environment. So we had that, those two working together. Yeah, well, when I watched the movie, I could practically feel the icy cold weather like emanating off of the screen. And I was curious if it actually was cold when you all filmed this or if you had to use a lot of movie magic to achieve that feeling. There was zero movie magic. It was, I mean, ask the actors, there was no acting required. I mean, it was New Jersey, December, January. It was um, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Not brutal for someone who lives there, but for me, coming from slightly warmer uh, country, it was like, whew. yeah, it was actually quite a difficult thing. And poor Thomason, you know, she was not really, she was wearing some woolen layers, but really she, the, 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 the clothes of the 60s were not, you know, we're all in our sort of high-tech gear standing behind a camera. She's wearing <laughs> tights and a woolen skirt and a blouse, you know, yeah. <laughs> putting, putting snow in her underpants. <laughs> So uh, lately, I've been fascinated by the idea that a big part of a director's job is managing personalities. And for this movie, I was wondering if Anne and Thomason needed different things as actors. Did you have to balance their particular quirks or preferred methods as actors in order to sort of create an environment where they could give these great performances? Yes, and that's just established early on. So, for example, one of the first things I like to do when I meet an actor, usually almost even when we have the sort of first meeting when we're talking about a project, is understand how they like to work. Because I'm not the sort of person who's going to dictate some sort of method, working method, method, methodology. Um, I'm interested to know how an actor likes to work. I mean, sometimes they <laughs> will not really tell the truth. They'll say, well, however you like to work. You know, but actually, I know that's not the truth. That Everybody has a, a particular way they like to work. And actually, it's just about asking enough questions to draw it out of them. And then it's about finding a way of getting two people to work together who may not have a similar approach. You know, we, we were lucky with this project because we had, uh, we shot in two blocks over Christmas. The first was in December, then we had a two-week break for Christmas, then we shot the second block. The first block was Eileen and her dad, so Thomas and Shay. Uh, and then we had uh, Eileen and Rebecca in the second block. So I'd already built a relationship with Thomas in, in the sense that I understood how she liked to work. So that was very helpful. And then, you know, I'd spoken to Annie a lot about how she likes to work. And uh, well, I was lucky in the sense that both of them come fully prepared. You know, they're, about so, they're so professional that they, you know, they know, they know their lives. Obviously, I mean, that's, that's goes without saying, but they also have a very, very strong idea of what they want to do. Uh, and so there's, you know, when we arrive on set, a decision has been made and then it's a case of seeing how that idea works and then trying out a few different alternatives but we have already established a lot of the thoughts of of each scene in the rehearsal we had before so we had a couple of days for thomasin and annie to meet each other before we started to shoot and that was about understanding you know who they are as characters how they um what they what what the thoughts are and make sure they're clear in the in the script um and you know, and it's and it's really about building trust. I think that if you can if you can build trust between if a director can build trust between themselves and an actor, uh, I think you can really ask actors to do anything. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that they had you know ideas that they wanted to bring to these characters. 
And Anne especially, I mean, is like unreal in this movie. And I was curious if she, what did she bring to this role that surprised you, if anything? What I thought was interesting is that she knows, because she has such extraordinary screen experience, she knows the level at which, and she knows where to where to pitch it, which is remarkable because when because watching it in the room may not necessarily be what transmits on the screen. And so actually, when I watched the dailies, I could then see that she had pitched it absolutely right. Do you know, that was, for me, was a, a astonishing, which is you're surrounded by so many um, unhelpful influences in the moment of making the, shooting the scene because you because you're there with the whole crew and there's so much going on and you're already thinking about the next scene and you've got it in your head and you've got to hold everything together um you try and focus as best you can on performance but uh, you're also thinking of a million other things that are happening on in the in the frame but annie really knew that when she pitched it and she was right and i and that gave me great confidence i could totally trust her to know where to did you learn that after, you know, just a few days of being able to look at the dailies? Because that seems like such yeah. a real thing for a director to be, you know, dialed in as you are on the set and and have an actor give a performance and you something, you know, a tiny alarm bell or something goes off in your head where you're like, I'm not really sure if that's right. But then when you check the tape, it actually is right. That's got to be like destabilizing in a, in a tiny way, right? Well, you, but it's also, it's also, you know, you've got to find humility as well because you've got to, if, it, if an alarm rings, then you've got to get the take that you feel is right for yourself. So you do the versions in up to that point. You know, that version, then the ones in between, and then you stop at the point with it. I think we've got it. And then when you watch it back, then you think she was right. She was right. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> yeah. I've been being able to go down and say you're absolutely spot on. You know, and and, and I think that re relationship of mutual respect actually is very good for a working relationship because then Annie is like, I see, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but in, you know, but um, in the kindest way possible, because then yeah. actually we know what the, because she, as you say, she is a larger than life character. We have such an extraordinary twist in this movie. It would be very easy for this to suddenly become uh, a little arch a different kind of movie it mm -hmm. would, would lean into that and, and and i had the same conversations with shay there is a version of alcoholic boston ex-cop shouty dad which we really wanted to sort of steer clear of um, because we've seen it a million times before um and you know i just trust him to be able to find that yep. he's the one telling me yeah i think we want to be in this space we want to be exploring this and we let him then explore it because and I'm and I'm grateful for them. They these are these are intelligent actors who want to dig deep, and they're mm -hmm. not gonna, they're not going to settle for. You know, there will be guys who'll be like, "Oh, you want me to come for eight days? I come for eight days to shoot this stuff. We know how it goes. See you later." But the, but they really wanted to find something um, truthful and original. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you tell me what the toughest part of the process of making this movie was for you? I mean, there's so many. I mean, we shot through COVID. I mean, that's a. I'm sure you've had a lot of people say the same thing, but does um, does have an impact? You know, um, everybody coming in early to test twice a day, having to wear a mask between, so you, you can't 
an actor can't see my face when I'm trying to explain an idea to them. So a lot of the body language is lost. Um, having to be super vigilant, you know, having to have doors open, having these, I mean, the, the whole thing was, was we, it was a, it was an extra pressure when we were already shooting in like minus, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but in the UK, it was like minus 10 degrees. I mean, the also the problem is if you're in a small, we shot everything on location, if you're in a small location and the camera doesn't fit in the room with the actors, you have to open the doors to shoot through a door. Well, then it's like shooting outdoors. But the actors are pretending they're indoors in a nice cosy kitchen. I mean, that has an impact on the body. They can't, you don't want them to be thinking about, oh, I'm freezing. I you want them to think about the scene. Yep. It was the first time I've worked in the States. Um, so I relied heavily on the crew, you know, and the producers to help me through that, um, uh, which wasn't actually so problematic. It was, it was just about understanding a new system, you know, um, but it took a little bit of time. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, at the time, I mean, I would say everything was problematic just because it was such a pressured environment, you know, 26 days to shoot this movie. Uh, in so many different locations, because with Lady Macbeth, of course, I'd had the same amount of time, but I'd had one location and four actors. Mm -hmm. so was, this was a this was a much bigger scale. Yeah, uh, and I was living on the job. Thankfully, uh, there'd been enough time between the two movies for uh, Ari Wegner and Nick Emerson, my sort of two closest collaborators, the cinematographer and the editor, to have gone away and made like ten movies in that time, <laughs> so they could come back with all of that that rich um, experience and, and bring it to this film, which was very, very, was vital, really. Yeah, excellent. Well, I think I'm out of time with you, but uh, man, I could talk with you about this movie for all, like the entire day. It's I'm, so beer. I'm here until Sunday, so we're going to have a beer and talk more about the movie. All right. I loved hearing him talk about his working relationship with Anne Hathaway there and how they built that trust up over such a short shoot. Um, okay, let's take a break, and then we'll be back to present my conversation with Thomas and McKenzie and Anne Hathaway. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. All right, so Thomas McKenzie and Anne Hathaway star in this movie. Um, they are both just absolutely stellar in the film. I, I really think Anne Hathaway lights the screen on fire, basically, as this character, Rebecca St. John. She is just, like, unbelievable, and uh, I haven't seen her working in this mode in a long, long time. Thomas McKenzie is somebody who has been around and, and has is certainly still, I guess you would call her, like, a rising star. Um, she's delivered a, a lot of different types of performances, but I've never seen her do anything like this. And um, I just thought they were both terrific, and, and I jumped at the chance to uh, talk to them. So... 
here is my conversation with Thomas and McKenzie and Anne Hathaway. Congratulations to both of you on the movie. I saw it at Sundance and really, really loved it. And I thought both of you were terrific in it. There is such nuance in both of your performances. There's a lot of things being communicated with looks instead of words. And I was wondering for each of you, what was the most difficult aspect to get right about your performance? Was there a lot of um, modulation required to achieve the level of nuance that you were going for? Yes. Um, <laughs> that's a very intellectual question and I'm like I feel like I need to be as like my answer to be as articulate um, yeah Eileen was like no was unlike any other role I've ever played where her like thoughts were so internal and uh, intense um, that it felt like an impossible challenge to like try and convey that because the book is like her in a monologue a lot of it is um so trying to like know her well enough and for those thoughts to be clear enough to translate on screen um but will's will was directed will helped me a lot with that because he did this amazing technique where we would film the scenes normally both Anne and I doing our lines and then each of us in turn would do a silent take. So if you if it was your coverage, you wouldn't say your lines at all. You'll just sp- think the line. And uh, if you were thinking it clearly enough or knew what it was that you were thinking, it would hopefully show through. Um, so that was really useful for me because it, I don't know, it made it easier to like, um, not yet, yeah, it meant I didn't rely on the lines the very few lines that Eileen had to get the point across um, that I lent more into just like the feeling of it. It's amazing. I guess, Anne, I, I would love to know about that kitchen scene, like the where the big <laughs> reveal happens. It's arguably the most important moment in the whole movie. And I was wondering if you had that day circled on your calendar where you're like psyching yourself up for executing that twist. Oh, uh, no. No, no, I think um, the moment has become bigger than I understood it to be in the script. And I knew it was, and I I delighted in it in the script. I mean, delighted is maybe a strange word given what's (laughs) revealed, but but, um, it is a thriller. And so I, I understood that it was important, but when we were in when we screened the film for the first time in Sundance and it ha- that moment happens and I felt the floor drop out from underneath the audience. I wasn't expecting it to be that intense. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I don't know. I was just really, I was, this might sound kind of corny, but I was just really grateful to the process that got us there because Thomason was just a dream partner. And we were, when we made this, we were an independent film and every day was it was a it was a beautiful glorious battle but it's a battle every day on an independent film and um that will kind of like protected us to like almost let us black out in the space like and just kind of become hypnotized by otessa's words and just get really really beautifully lost in them um but it's funny looking back on it, you do have these moments as an actor 
where like a shiver runs through your body when you say a line or you do a particular take. And I remember that take. Like, I just remember there being like, I don't know, a, a seed sprouting. And so then to see it bloom at Sundance was incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. So you mentioned that this movie was like a little bit of a, a challenge. And I think it's because or part of the reason is because you guys had sh- such a short um, filming schedule. And I was wondering, because there's so much intimacy between your two characters, how you you probably didn't have a lot of time to overthink things because you were moving so quickly. But how did you approach those scenes where Rebecca and Eileen are growing closer and their relationship is building did you did you have a, a certain way to approach those scenes that was different from approaching any other scenes in the movie i think everybody wants to hear that we did like trust exercises to watch. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I fell backwards off of a chair thomas and cat caught me but really thomas is just a wonderful human being and it was a joy to be with her even as we were doing whatever order you were doing that day and um and you know um my character is not necessarily someone you can or should trust but she is someone that's a lot of fun to be around and so I had a lot of fun being around her for a time but in terms of just being together my biggest thing was I just Thomasin had such a huge job she had such a big weight on her shoulder she's in every scene of this film there's no time for rest where she's exposed in the cold um you know all of those things and so I just wanted to make sure that she was eating enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is like that is definitely a favorite question and it's like should we have been doing like these uh, connection exercises? Did we really mess this up? Oh, you said something in one interview that was really insightful, which was one of the first scenes we filmed together was the dance. Mm-hmm. And it felt like that became something. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, um, Eileen's nervousness and Rebecca's assuredness. Mm-hmm. and the dynamic between the two of them. And I think not having the pressure of dialogue, but just being kind of like physically open with each other. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And like the, because we filmed all the, um, all the Eileen and Eileen's dad, Jim, and like the, um, who else was it? We, and all like filming at the, the liquor store or like, we filmed all of that before we filmed over Christmas and we had a two week hiatus in between. We filmed all the Eileen and Jim stuff before Christmas and established the world. And that world was not a happy world. And then we filmed all of the Eileen and Rebecca stuff after that two week hiatus. And it just felt different. Like it felt like there was some kind of magic in the air, like, the world felt like it had been refreshed. Yeah. So, like Anne said before, like the scheduling of the shoot really lended itself to, for at least for me, to the performance because, um, I don't know, it it did just felt very, it felt very natural. Yeah, that's great. Um, and did Zoe Kravitz reach out to you when she was cast as Catwoman in the Batman to have a sort of from one Catwoman to another conversation? <laughs> did you did you see that movie? What did you think about her performance? I haven't seen it yet. Okay, I've got young children, and they, if they if they can't watch the film, it, it, I don't watch it for a while. 
Gotcha. And then Thomas, and uh, we're, I think it's been a couple of years now since Last Night in Soho came out. And that's a, a big movie for us at Slash Film. We're big fans of that film. I would just love to know if you have any reflections about that project now that you've had some distance from it. Um, I'm really grateful for my relationship with my friendship with Edgar because he, I've moved to London recently and he's been so wonderful in like welcoming me here and making me feel at home. Um, I never got to like do a lot of publicity for last night in Soho because it was during COVID and I was locked down in New Zealand. So being in London and now that the strike has lifted, I've been able to like do a, introduce the screening of last night in Soho at the picture house Soho and um, that, yeah, spend more time with the team that I kind of missed out on when they were going through the press hold that whole circuit. So that's been really, really amazing. So just like kind of reconnecting with everyone. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much. And thanks again for taking the time and uh, congrats again on the movie. It's one of my favorite films of the year. So uh, you guys are fantastic. Thank you so much. I hope y'all enjoyed that. I thought that thing about them doing a take where they said their lines and then a, a silent take trying to communicate that same information with just a look, I thought that was really cool. I wish more directors did stuff like that because I feel like many movies might be much more interesting that way. But yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You can find much more about Eileen, including my review from Sundance at SlashFilm.com. SlashFilmDaily is typically published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link for that in the show notes. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.